This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome into the second hour of Seattle Sports at Night right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Curtis Rogers and the quarterback Jake Heaps here with you. Coors Light text line 710-710 is the number to text. We want to hear from you on this one. For the break, we teased it. The Seahawks, they've got a tremendous belief in their young talent. They would even probably say it's good enough to win a Super Bowl. Do you believe that their young talent is good enough to do so? And we're going to take a look at their draft classes from the last couple of years, also throughout this hour. Uh, And then at 8.30, big if true, the Mariners have their home opener tomorrow against the Red Sox. But we're going to be looking at something that won't be going on in this series. In fact, it's not going to happen until the next series when the Angels come into town. But one just eyesore will make its return to T-Mobile Park. It wasn't an eyesore years ago, but now it has become (laughs) that. Uh, We'll talk that at 8.30. Also, we'll be answering your questions. Time for you to ask us anything that's coming up at 8.45. But right now, the Seahawks and and what they're trying to do, and and they went 10-6 and a year ago, beating a lot of people's expectations for the team. They certainly beat mine. I had them at about an 8-8 season, maybe even 7-9. and And then obviously the 0-2 start, Certainly played into those expectations, but they righted the ship, finished the year ten and six, went to the playoffs for the first, you know, ending the one year uh, playoff drought, and it was due in large part to some big contributions from young players, right? But are those contributions and what they did in twenty eighteen are those going to be enough in twenty nineteen, or are the Seahawks going to have to get more? out of these guys that they got a year ago. I, you are certainly looking at this group and saying, with the moves that you have made in this offseason, the approach that you have had, you have not gone out, you have not tried to get any splash free agent signings, uh, you have let guys from your own team walk because they've had deals that you are not willing to go and ex- uh, you know uh, try and try and uh, stretch yourself by any means in terms of salary. Uh, the one guy that stands out to me is Justin Coleman. The fact that you're not willing to you know, retain him, uh, he, was, he is obviously one of the best nickel corners in the game, and uh, him leaving leaves a huge hole in that spot that you're unable to fill. And the way that they did that, they re-signed Akeem King. And Akeem King is a guy that hadn't played a ton at the nickel cornerback position. So that's one... That stands out to me. And Pete Carroll said as much earlier today, talking to John Clayton on how they're going to go about replacing Justin Coleman. Yeah, we have a lot of information on, on our guys. Uh, you know, I, I think Akeem King can, can do a nice job in competing for that spot. Uh, a guy that not many of our fans know, Jimmy Boykins, did a really nice job in camp. We know that he can he can do a job. Uh, uh, also, um, Cam Reed can do a really nice job for us, too. So we think we got some really good guys to battle for the spot. You know, we kind of grew up with... with uh, Coleman, and we think we can grow these guys up too. He mentions Kalen Reed, who joined the team at the end of last season, coming from uh, Tennessee, I believe. Jeremy Boykins, another guy very under the radar, I believe. He may have been a practice squad guy a year ago, so yeah. uh, not well known uh, amongst Seahawks fans. And then obviously, Kim King getting re signed. Uh, 
replacing Justin Coleman going to be it's not going to be as easy as I think they're going to make it out to be because Coleman's production over the last couple of seasons was very, very nice. And I think it was was. very advantageous for the Seahawks to get that level of production from a guy who they barely gave up anything for. For sure. That's the the part where they're hoping to uh, strike lightning twice with that nickel cornerback position. They traded for him. They identified the talent uh, and was able to get a nice trade from the Patriots for him. Now you're letting him walk, and you're saying, okay, we believe that we have guys on this roster that can absolutely fill that role with Akeem King. We saw him play in uh, versus the Kansas City Chiefs in that nickel cornerback position, but he primarily played against Travis Kelsey the entire time. Still a very tough matchup, but played extremely well uh, versus him. Now you're going to ask him, he is the lead for this spot. You know, I would like to see Akeem King be that guy because he's been out there before. Now if Jeremy Boykins or Kalen Reed can step up and beat uh, Akeem King out, then fantastic. You've got great competition in that in that position. But uh, now you're asking him to, to cover the best slots in the game, the best tight ends, and can they do that on a consistent basis? That's the big question. Um, so you're looking at that position in particular, looking at Delano Hill and Tedrick Thompson. Can those guys step up? Your defensive line, you you got great production out of Puna Ford, and there's a lot to be excited about. Uh, but you you know you just don't know how they're going to develop from year one to year two. Jacob Martin, Rasheem Green, those are guys that can have an impact for you one way or the other. And and so uh, when you look at it from that perspective, the one thing that holds me up on all this conversation is Shaq Griffin. Shaq Griffin had great promise after his rookie year played well, high expectations for him to take the next step and then become that elite lockdown corner, and he took – steps back last year and if you have that if your approach is hey we are going to rely on this young talent to continue to take these steps moving forward then uh, you better have a heck of a lot of of uh, evidence to back that up uh, in in how they've been able to produce you know they might not have to uh, give elite level production yet but they've shown you that they can play at a very high level and still have a high ceiling a lot of these guys have played well but I don't know if they've shown that you can you can bank on them becoming that next elite group of talent. And there are question marks surrounding a lot of those young guys. Whereas veteran free agents who come in, who come to Seattle, there may not be as, as big of question marks because we know kind of what they are, how they've played in different systems throughout their career, and we know how certain guys who come to Seattle – get coached up and really are able to turn it on. I think the the only guy, at least defensively, who has come to Seattle and has been a complete bust when he was signed as a free agent was Kerry Williams, what was it, three or four years ago. Now the Seahawks, they know what it is that they want, and I think they really want to get young as bad as possible. Unfortunately, though, I look at what they've done in free agency so far and I feel as though they have left a lot of talent out there on the board still mm-hmm. and may have missed out on some really, really nice guys who could have came in and contributed right away in addition to furthering the development of a lot of these young players. Yeah, that's the that's the feeling that you get walking away from free agency. There wasn't any sexy hiring that they or, 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 or signing that they made 
that makes you feel excited, that gets your juices going, Curtis, that goes, oh, man, we got this going on. It was exciting to get Michael Kendricks and K.J. Wright back. There's without a doubt about that. Um, even D.J. Fluker to re-sign him. But in terms of adding to your team, uh, those were re-signings, not additional signings. I think that they are sitting on the talent that they have and believing that, hey, we can add a few pieces here through the draft that will make us a Super Bowl contender. And they are banking on their ability to scout and their ability to find talent that can hit the field right now. What will uh, Who will be the best player from last year's Seahawks draft class? We want to hear your answer because there's a lot of guys still there. Only one draft pick from a year ago is gone from the Seahawks roster. So I think we can put Alex Magoo to bed on that one. I, I don't <laughs> Are think, you sure? I'm I'm almost positive. Okay. Uh, we don't need because we paid him active roster money. Just so you know, Curtis. We did. We did on the oh. practice squad. Yeah, didn't exactly work out for the Seahawks, but it was a seventh round pick. You can afford to swing and miss there. But who will be the best player from last year's draft class from the Seahawks when it's all said and done? Which one is going to develop and become a superstar level player? Is there one? We want to hear from you. Coors Light text line is there for you, 710-710. We talk that next. Curtis Rogers and the quarterback, Jake Heaps. Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Coming up at 845, your questions. Ask us anything. It's the name of the segment. It's also a command to you. Ask us anything. Coors Light text line is there for you. 710-710-710. Text lines there. You can also tweet at us, but uh, a lot of good text coming in right now. Uh, let's see here. It says 360. It says, is it possible that maybe Pete and John know a little bit more about what talent works for their team? Uh, yeah. I mean, they're the ones putting it together. They also say talent in the NFL is really based more on system and coaching. It's what guys work for you. Granted, yeah, that none of us have said that that isn't what works. Like obviously Pete and John's system has worked in the time that they've been here in Seattle. It's been the most successful years in franchise history. Like this is the golden age of the franchise. Right. But it's okay to not be okay well, with, it, it's, with moves. It's, it's okay to sit there and question, right? Like yeah. I think that if you're just putting your head down and saying in Pete and John we trust, I think I think that's just kind of being blind. I think it's blind loyalty there. Do I trust them and do I ultimately believe that they can make the right they will make the right decisions for this roster? Yes, I do. But when you look at this this roster on paper right now, uh, you can't tell me that you sit there and say confidently that you look at those guys in these certain positions, namely secondary, namely defensive line and you're going to tell me that Rasheem Green is going to come out next year and he's going to be a monster. He is going to be a difference maker. That Jacob Martin is going to be a difference maker. Those are guys that still have a lot to answer in terms of the questions that they have. That's That, to me, is what we're talking about, is you're expecting these guys who, yeah, they, they played a nice role on the team, and now you're expecting them to take a huge leap into helping this team make a Super Bowl run. That is what we're talking about here. 
You can also tweet at us at a kid from Kent at JT Heaps nine. Uh, Casey, he's doing that on Twitter. He says the current Seahawks roster does not have enough talent to win a Super Bowl. I would love to see them add talent at edge rush, defensive tackle, cornerback, safety, wide receiver, and O line. I mean, it's like the whole roster. I would even double up on the defensive line. He says he also says with Russell Wilson, they are a playoff contender but they still need a few pieces to make it to the Super Bowl. I agree. I think they they are still a couple more pieces away from truly being back amongst those contenders the way they were back in 2012 and 13, 14 and even 15. Absolutely. And that's the part that's what we're talking about right now. We're talking about adding the talent and the overall depth. If you look at the Super Bowl rosters that the Seahawks had in the two years that they were able to make that run, their depth was incredible, and especially at the defensive in the defensive unit, uh, you had people in place on offense on the offensive line that were able to get it done. You had Marshawn Lynch, you had difference makers, and you had a pretty good, solid receiving core with an exciting quarterback. Uh, now on offense, I feel more comfortable about where the offense currently stands than necessarily I do about the defense. And even then, with the offense, I think that. It scares me having uh, two guards that haven't necessarily made it through a season completely healthy. Uh, it concerns me that for the receiver position, as great and Tyler and Doug, as great as Tyler and Doug have been, Doug is now getting into questions of whether or not he's going to play this year. And do you have a guy that you can sit there and confidently tell me on this roster that can replace the production that Doug Baldwin has? You cannot. You cannot look no. me in the eye. Yeah. Whoever's listening. You cannot look me in the eye and say yes. So don't come at me with that, okay? I want a better argument from you than just in Pete and John say we it trust. With your chest. Right? Say it with your chest. Like, come on, guys. I, I'm right there with you. I trust them. But right now, we are expecting these guys to make leaps and bounds steps to be able to get us there. Trey Flowers is another guy that I love. I love Trey Flowers. Can he make that next step into year two to become a lockdown corner? Those are questions that are legitimate and that we should all be asking and looking for ourselves. Well, let's look at these guys, these young guys who have been in the Seahawks program over the last couple of seasons. Last year's draft class had some interesting first, some interesting picks in the first couple of rounds. Obviously, Rashad Penny that was the eyebrow raiser because no one expected them to go running back with their first pick in the first round. I think a lot of people expected them to continue to trade down in that draft, and instead they took a running back when so many people assumed Chris Carson was going to take that mantle, which he ended up doing despite Rashad Penny's presence. Uh, Some other guys on that draft class a year ago, Rasheem Green, defensive end, a lot left to be desired. Will Disley, an incomplete grade because he only played about a quarter of the season before he left with that patellar injury. Shaquem Griffin, he had his growing pains. Trey Flowers, to me, is the guy with the most upside of any draft pick a year ago. Now, is that to say he's going to be a superstar in the NFL? Yeah. No. But I think he can be a, a steady starter, a guy who just... You don't have to worry about him right. when he's out there. And yep. to get that kind of production out of a fifth-round pick, someone who you don't have to worry about, you know he's going to get the job done, that's incredibly, incredibly valuable, especially from that pick. But you look at this draft class from the Seahawks a year ago, the only guy who I think is a star 
is Michael Dixon. He's a star punter. But I don't get a vibe from anybody in that draft class a year ago that says this guy's going to be a Pro Bowl, perennial Pro Bowler. This guy's going to be an all-pro guy. He's going to be a franchise icon. I don't get a vibe from anybody in last year's draft class. Jake, is there anybody that you see that gives you a vibe like that? Well, I, I would I would really break it. Can I break this down in their draft class Glad. like this, Curtis? I would say, to me, their best picks uh, from the 2018 class, Michael Dixon, without a doubt, fifth round pick, uh, is a Pro Bowl player. It was a game changer in terms of his ability to punt the football and change the field position. Uh, Trey Flowers is right there next to him, being able to convert him from safety to corner, and the production that he was able to give was incredible. Uh, and then third, I would put Will Disley. Now, if he was able to play the season throughout, I think that he is one of the best young tight ends in the game. I was really impressed with what I saw from Will Disley. The worst, okay, the worst, Jamarco Jones. He's still on, he's still on the roster, but he sp- spent a lot of the time on the practice squad. He was a fifth-round pick that never saw any time or really was in, in part of the, the depth chart uh, for the most part. Uh, Shaquem Griffin. Uh, he played special teams for us, but, man, when he had the opportunity to get into that starting role in the Will linebacker position or get on the field on the defensive unit, really had no impact uh, and was a liability out there. Hopefully he can grow and develop. Then there was Alex Magoo. I mean, seventh-round pick. He was a practice squad guy. Showed promise, but then walking away from you. Uh, my biggest surprise, my biggest surprise was Jacob Martin. Jacob Martin in the sixth round. He really, gave them valuable, valuable minutes. Absolutely. That's a guy you look at and go, man, if that guy could just turn it up a notch, if he could just continue to grow his game, he can be a really nice piece for this team. Uh, I would say the biggest disappointment was Rasheem Green. Rasheem Green had a ton of hype going into this thing, uh, was supposed to be a d- difference maker as a defensive end, a guy that could get to the passer, a guy that could be solid in the running game, and uh, just simply disappeared. Uh, injuries, uh, lack of production. Coach Carroll mentioned the fact that he got worn down towards the end of the season. Uh, you know that's not that's not a good sign. So to me, that was a big disappointment for this year out of this draft. Uh, but you know he still got time. He still has time to develop, and he can turn this thing around. So and notice, I didn't say Rashad Penny anywhere in that. Rashad Penny was kind of like a middle of the road. You know, I, I would have really liked what I've got Rashad Penny this year had he not been a first round pick. If he were the third or fourth round pick, yeah, I'd say great. Loved it. Great. But because he was a first rounder, there's there is high expectation from that. Um and what I'm hoping, Curtis, going into this next year, is is that Rashad Penny is now a great one two punch with Chris Carson. That you have two running backs that are starting elite caliber running backs on your roster. That's my expectation moving forward for these guys. Of these guys who the Seahawks drafted a year ago, which one does the team need to take a leap the most, or who do they want to take a leap the most? <laughs> without a doubt, to me, without a doubt, to me, it's Jacob Martin. Like Jacob Martin is the guy that needs to step up so that they can have another depth piece in terms of being a legitimate pass rush. If you're not going to, okay, if you're not going to. Uh, get another defensive end pass rusher, that puts a lot of pressure on Jacob Martin. If they add another defensive pass rusher, Jacob Martin still has to produce. We still, if you're a Seahawks fan, you are looking for Jacob Martin to pick it up and be a six to eight sack guy. 
that's what you would like to see Jacob Martin become. I look at the guys on the defense. I think Rasheem Green is someone that they so desperately want to see develop and so desperately want to see him become a stalwart on that defensive line simply because of how much they need that right now. They need guys on the defensive line. You you spotlighted Jacob Martin. I think Rasheem Green is another guy who they didn't get a whole lot of production of a year, out of a year ago. And we've seen Nas Jones fall off. His production, he wasn't dressed for a lot of games a year ago. Um, another guy, though, on the defensive line that I think gets overlooked because he wasn't a draft pick a year ago, but he was undrafted, is Puna Ford, who graded out to be one of the best run-stopping defensive tackles in all of football, uh, not just rookies, but one of the best in the entire game, which very few people saw coming. Yeah, absolutely. I certainly didn't. Yeah, he was a great find. He was a great get, and and you would still like to add depth to that. You want another defensive tackle that could come in and rotate with Jaron Reed and Puna Ford. I think that would be a, an incredible value find for the Seahawks, and as we've said uh, time and time again here tonight, they've got a belief in their young guys. And if they can convert a lot of this belief uh, into production and into guys who can contribute, I think they are uh, closer to a Super Bowl than I think a lot of people project them to be. But right now, I look at these guys, and I think they may be a little further away than Seahawks fans would hope. Coming up next, it is time for Big If True one eyesore over the last couple of years, <laughs> formerly Safeco Field, now T-Mobile Park, it will make its return. Yes, I can't wait to talk about this, Curtis. We discuss that next. Curtis Rogers, Jake Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines Studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Jake, my man, you got the Coors Light text line <laughs> lighting up after that segment. <laughs> I'm telling you what, 360 says you guys would have said the exact same thing about the 2012 draft. By the time you guys know names, they're old. Youth is the NFL now, and these guys pull rabbits out of their hat better than anyone. They they even cap this one off, stick to quarterbacks heaps, leave the rest up to me. <laughs> so apparently we got a, a general manager, an NFL GM, texting in. That's right. That's the, from the 360. Exactly. Why aren't you in Phoenix right now, 360? Like I, That's where you should be. I don't know, man. They, they should definitely be there. Uh, here's the deal. You can absolutely have faith in this group in Pete in John I am right there with you I have a lot of faith but that doesn't mean I'm going to blindly follow it that doesn't mean every decision they make is going to be perfect what about Jamarcus Webb what about Luke Jokel what about Eddie Lacy what about right we could go down a list of things that they have made uh wrong decisions and trading and, Max Unger trading Max Unger uh you know there there are things along with all of the good things that they have done and so to sit there and, you know, kind of come with that argument, it's also hard to come up with three future Hall of Fame uh, players in your secondary once to be able to do it twice and act like it's nothing. Eh, that's it's that's a lot harder than you think, guys. Not as easy as they make it look, Pete and John. Uh, one guy who is definitely not what he once was, that'd be Felix Hernandez. 
And he is on the Mariners roster, which I think has begged a lot of questions. You know, is he going to even be on the roster beyond May? Will he reach 100 innings this season? But there's also a question about a certain aspect of T-Mobile Park that happens every single time he takes the mound at home, and that is mm-hmm. the Kings Court. Oh, what was going to that, be that was Curtis? That was such a cool thing that they used to do. Like when they did the Kings Court, when you know Felix was dominant, like that was the coolest thing that they used to do. Now, Jake, you, you said used to. Yeah, that's going to bring us to tonight's big, if true. This can't be happening. Big. This can't be serious, man. If did, did he, he say that? that? True. History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious. As it says, you cannot be serious. Well, doing some research last night, uh huh, because I wanted to know if the Mariners were going to, in fact, bring back the Kings Court in 2019 for a pitcher that hasn't put forth a good season since about 2015. Well, digging around, found a uh, an ad for the Kings Court. That's right. What? April 1st. You can get a main level ticket and T-shirt for just fifteen bucks with King Felix's name on it, and they have brought back the King's Court oh, for at no. least the time being. <laughs> yeah, big if true. Wow, I'll say this. Okay, the King's Court in its heyday, when it was at its peak powers, mm-hmm. when it was definitely something that Felix built. Uh, got a lot of momentum off of. It was one of the best marketing creations in Mariners franchise history. It was, uh, an, it was sort of a bucket list item if you were a Mariners fan was to go sit in the Kings court and, and cheer on Felix when he was at his best. Right. That great creation years ago has become, I believe, the biggest eyesore in this franchise right now. Oh because no! It's something that has. The team has kind of tried to shoo it away for a couple of years uh-huh. as Felix's skill set has dwindled to what it is currently, but they still trot it out every fifth day at home, and unfortunately, they're going to do it in a season in which Felix is probably not guaranteed to finish the year here in Seattle. Right. I mean, Curtis, what what are they thinking here? Like, what what on earth could they possibly think here? Is this pageantry? Is this just tradition? Like, what what are they thinking here? Why are we rewarding a a, a guy that hasn't been the same player for three years, Curtis? It was one thing to honor Ichiro in the way they did in Japan, right. where they let him have his time. They let him have his moment in front of those fans that truly adored him. The same cannot be said for Felix right now. The Seattle Mariner fan base, for I think a large portion of them, are just, they are fed up entirely with Felix Hernandez yeah. and the player that he has become. And to run out the Kings Court, which I believe they are shrinking it down to just two sections rather than that entire left field corner. Yes. Like, it's almost, it's almost mocking him in a way. I be- like this I is what so. you used to be. This is what you used to be. You used to fill up all of these sections. Now look at you. You have 
lost everything that you have worked for in your major league career. You're a shell of what you used to be. Right. And now we're just going to continue to run it out there. And it's not a good look for anybody. It's not a good look for Felix. It's not a good look for the Mariners. It's it's so avoidable. Just if you're the Mariners, you tip your cap and say, we will not be having the Kings court for the time being. Maybe just save it for if Felix regains some of that form or save it for just big games. But it's going to be for a midweek game against the Angels, a team that has teed off on Felix in years past. Mike Trout has hit more home runs against Felix than any pitcher he's teed off against. And Mike Trout does that a lot. Yeah. Well, how how many fans are going to be out there in Kings Court actually excited to be there yelling K K K and and saying saying it enthusiastically fired up to be there uh, when you know the guy probably is going to get shelled and and is leaving in the third or fourth inning like to me this is this is something that like you said it's an eyesore it's it's not something that uh, should continue to go on. I mean, yeah, they're good seats for fifteen bucks. Yeah, but like I'd are, be all over that. Uh, yeah, but are you are you going to be part of the pageantry for the three four innings and then what? I mean, there's a chance you get a turkey leg. I guess that's <laughs> that's always uh, available. But fifteen bucks. I mean, that's a great deal for where those seats are. Main level tickets. They it's don't true. go for the, that kind of price normally. It's true. But just don't give me any of the Felix merch that comes with the tickets. Like I, I don't, I don't want to be known as a, a 2019 Kings quarter, right? Like 2014, 2013. But that's my problem, that though, time. Curtis. That was that's my problem, though. That was the time. That was the time for Kings Court and to leave a legacy for Felix. If you're trying to do right by Felix, that's what you want people to remember Kings Court as in its prime when it was actually real. When there was a real presence, right now you're bringing people out there into King's Court for for nothing. It's just kind of a mockery. It is. It's it's a it serves Felix as a reminder of this is what you used to be. This is when you were your best, and you're not that anymore. Text coming in on the Coors Light text line from the five oh nine. They say, "Are you sure it's not an April Fool's joke?" Because the game is slated. For April 1st, but I feel like that would be even crueler. That would be worse. That, to, to, <laughs> to pull that kind of deal away from people who've already bought those seats. Text on the 206 says, you guys cannot be serious. Uh, 425 says, it's a horrific eyesore, so stale, so awkward. And then 206 also wonders, is it a contractual thing? Like, is are, Do they have to do this? I mean, they probably got a warehouse full of t-shirts somewhere that they're trying to offset. This is a way to do it. But holy cow, like, I just, I want Felix Hernandez to be remembered here in Seattle for the great pitcher that he was and not in, and not send him off in a way that is disrespectful to what he has accomplished here in Seattle. Because I think everybody knows that this is Felix's final season in Seattle. Jerry DePoto and Scott Service have been on, they've said they have never seen the good Felix Hernandez. And if you want to bring in a pitcher that has not shown a dedication to what it is that you're trying to to ring through to your guys over the last couple of seasons, and and a guy who, when you need him needed him to be his best, he faltered. Like there is no possible way that Jerry Depoto and Scott Service are going to bring him back next season. So because of this, I, I think you just. 
take down the banners, take down you know the the huge like marketing campaigns that always surround Felix Hernandez and let him go quietly because right. you don't want to draw attention to the fact that he has got an ERA over five. You don't want to draw attention to the fact that he is a shell of the pitcher that he used to be. Mm-hmm. I agree. Bringing the, that attention to it, I think, only does a disservice to Felix Hernandez. I truthfully believe that. Uh, and I know that Felix Hernandez is still a, a hometown favorite, is a guy that everybody looks to and has – uh, fond memories of for the most part. And so if that is truly the case, don't you want to remember Felix for those times and not seeing him being moved out there, being marketed as this top flight pitcher when he's not? He simply is not. You're setting this guy up for for failure, in my opinion, with, with the way that you're going about it. Speaking of the Mariners, they begin their home schedule tomorrow. Pre-game show begins at six o'clock, or actually, pregame show begins at three o'clock tomorrow. Uh, Four ten first pitch. All sorts of pregame festivities tomorrow. Mclemore he'll perform down in the pen. Edgar Martinez he'll be throwing out the first pitch. Marco Gonzalez he gets the start for the Mariners. Chris Sale going for the World Champion Red Sox. Uh, Bob Gross and Tom they're going to be broadcasting from the left field corner. Tomorrow afternoon, beginning at noon. So if you are in the area, stop by, say hello to those boys. Uh, they're going to be having their show out there tomorrow. And then on Friday, Danny, Dave, and Moore are going to be live from Edgar's Cantina uh, as they do each and every Friday home game. They've been doing it for the last couple of seasons. They're doing it once again. So make sure you're out there for that. It's going to be a fun time uh, for that one as well. So, yeah, pregame show begins tomorrow at 3 uh, home opener first pitch begins at 4:10 right here on 7:10 ESPN Seattle. Uh, it's time for Ask Us Anything. Coors Light text line is there for you. Ask us anything. We will answer your questions next. Curtis Rogers and the quarterback Jake Heaps right here on Seattle Sports Tonight on 7:10 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airline Studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports at Night right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back in. We're with you for just a couple more moments here on this Wednesday night. Mariners home opener tomorrow. Uh, getting a lot of texts on the Coors Light text line about the return of the Kings Court, which will, in fact, happen according to the Mariners' website and according to uh, our very own Ashley Cox, who confirmed it to me uh, that the Kings Court will, in fact, happen uh, on April 1st. Uh, 813 says, Kings Court, not a good look for the fifth starter. Uh, 206 says, I hate what Felix has become, but if Ichiro gets that kind of send-off, Felix deserves to be the day one starter. Now, Ichiro send off. The difference between him and Felix is that Ichiro, the send off he got, it was because he was a national hero in Japan. Right. If the Mariners went and played a game in Venezuela, I'm sure Felix would get a very similar send off because absolutely, that's just the kind of celebrity that these guys are in their home countries. Unfortunately. That's not the case, and Felix Hernandez is going to get a send-off that is going to be much, much quieter than what Ichiro got. Uh, from the 206, 
Uh, they say, you guys are horrible at this. <laughs> you're, you're more ear sort radio than Felix ever will be. Uh, they're hoping he'll be better, and I'll be happy to be there for maybe the last season of King's Court like I have for many years now. Now, 206, shout out to you. I'm not saying stay away from the King's Court. What I'm saying is the Mariners should have put a little more thought into this before trotting it out there. If you want $15 tickets on the main level, go right ahead. $15 plus a t-shirt when the t-shirt itself probably costs 15 bucks, like you're getting a free ticket in that way. Yeah, essentially. Like go for it. Take advantage of that deal. Uh I, I'm going to say go right ahead and and take that deal if it's presented to you. I have no qualms about people who choose to sit there. My biggest qualm is that the Mariners are putting it out there for everybody. Like that's you don't need that right now. You don't need that. <laughs> well, I, I think there's something to be said about being a part of King's Court for many years and enjoying that, right? And uh, being a part of you know the history that's been for Felix. But are you really enjoying being a part of the King's Court because you're watching great performances for Felix? Or you being love being part of King's Court because you're a part of the history of what it used to be? That's my question to you. Because that that's what we're talking about right now. This year, what is Felix Hernandez for this year? And, you know, what what is the likelihood of what he's going to be and how it's going to end for him this year? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense when the whole point of King's Court was the fact that you had a dominant pitcher, truly one of the greatest, and you had an intimidating crowd uh, when he was pitching, the days that he was pitching, and it just brought this whole level of an experience to the park, to the viewing experience. When you saw Felix in the King's Court in the background, it doesn't have that same effect, not even close anymore. How about we answer some questions here? It's time for Ask Us Anything. Coors Light Tax Line is there for you. 710-710 from the 425. They say, Curtis and Jake, what's the better show? The Wire, Game of Thrones, or Deadwood? Oh, that's unfortunate because all three of those shows you just asked me, I have never watched them. <laughs> so I am just going to say Game of Thrones for our Stacey Ross here, or else she would probably she's kill her, the both of she's us. She's got her countdown in the sports pit going on. That's right. That's right. If we did not say Game of Thrones, Stacy would not join the show anymore. We would not be friends with her. So I'm going to say Game of Thrones. Uh, the only one of those three that I've seen is The Wire, and it's a, it's a good show. It's maybe one of the best shows of all time uh, in terms of like awards won and like critics and, and their reviews of it. So I'm going to say The Wire, uh, four two five. Shout out to Omar. Uh, let's see here, Jake. Did you see that? viral picture today of an office who got their bagels cut as though they were like loaves of bread so it was like bagel slices what? rather than bagel halves wow I, I did not see that I if you have seen it text in if that is ridiculous or not I look at it and I say that is the most repulsive way I've ever seen a bagel cut when I want a ba- when I'm eating a bagel give me the whole bagel. Don't exactly. give me a slice of it. Give me the whole thing. Makes no sense. And we get bagels in our newsroom every now and then. Like, I would say once every couple of months. I'm saying this to all of our coworkers, not just on 710 ESPN, but also on 97.3 Cairo FM, and also on 770 AM KTTH. If you do that to these bagels, I will report you to our HR department so fast. Do not touch bagels like that. 
That I just had to get that off my chest. Well, good. I'm glad he got that off your chest because that was real important. Yeah, that was, that was that was really needed. Yeah, they cut their bagels into slices. Yeah, that's not okay. Four two five says it is a travesty without parallel. Maybe they're talking about the bagel slices. Maybe they're talking about the King's Court. Maybe, maybe. Hey, Curtis, I got one for you. Uh, from the 509, who is your favorite Mariner of all time? Favorite Mariner of all time? Growing up in the 90s here in Seattle, I mean, it's is there any other name other than King Griffey Jr. when it comes to favorite Mariners of all time? I mean... Yeah, it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to compete with Ken Griffey Jr. I literally switched myself. I was a right-handed hitter, and I switched myself to be a left-handed hitter just so I could be like Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, Ichiro is another amazing one. Edgar Martinez. I mean, gosh, how could you not love Edgar uh, Buner? Bad to the bone. Dan the Man Wilson. Uh, I've got a soft spot for Jamie Moyer. I love Jamie Moyer. The Soft fact toss that, and lefty. The crafty that's, that's lefty. right. The crafty lefty. I mean, he did not even come close to 90 miles an hour and still found a way to get it done. I'll say this, and it's only between you and me, right? Because no one's listening. This isn't going out over the air, right? This isn't <laughs> going out for public consumption. This won't be recorded and, and, and uploaded to our podcast page on 710sports.com. Click on the podcast page. You can. This, this won't be available to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, right? Right. I got a soft spot in my heart for Alex Rodriguez. What? Alex? Yeah. Mar- like what? M- Mariner version Alex Rodriguez. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can yeah. get on board with you there, but that's like Curtis. That's completely taboo. Like you should not have said that. I know, but man, he was so good with the Mariners. Like his stats. 40-40 season as a shortstop hit what 360 as a 20-year-old. Mhm. Like he was undeniable. Yeah, he left in a very ugly fashion, uh but man, he was so so good when he was here. Ooh, Curtis, here's one. This could be a totally different segment, but uh Kendall from Santa Monica, you could always trust Kendall on this one, but from the 707, I believe the Hawks need to take a top flight. Day one starter at the receiver position in the draft. What are your thoughts? Shout out to Kendall and Santa Monica, one of one of the greats here. Uh, I'm going to say I agree. I would be so down if they took a legit game breaking wide receiver with their very first pick. What if DK Metcalf falls to the Seahawks at pick 21, and he's sitting there, mm. and the Seahawks are on the clock, and yeah, it's tempting to trade back. But you look at that guy and just the workout tape that he has put out there. I mean, it's it's tempting. It, it is tempting, and I and Kendall, I think that this is one that you that more than than ever before because of the things that have come out about Doug Baldwin and where his health is. You really have to consider the receiver position towards the top of your draft picks. Uh, you have to be able to find somebody that is going to be a replacement for Doug if he cannot go this year, and also looking forward. So, yeah, you absolutely have to start thinking about it, and that would definitely, uh, man, that would shake things up. I still believe, though, if you've got a top-flight defensive pass rusher, I think that that's the road that they're going to go in. But, Kendall, I think you're on to something here. 
That will do it for us here on this Wednesday night. We are going to be back with you tomorrow live following the Mariners postgame show, following their home opener. It's going to be myself, Curtis Rogers. It's going to be the quarterback, Jake Keeps. It's going to be Stacy Ross. It's going to be all three of us in the same spot. for the. It's been forever since it's been all three of us, but I'm super hyped for that. I hope you are as well. So that's going to do it for us here on this Wednesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.